Rebound shot blocked. Now Eichel scores. The third rebound goes for Eichel. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Marcia Sellwright to the circle. White Cloud shoots. He scores. Doing his best. Jack Eichel finds the opening. Top shelf. Sharp angle for White Cloud. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Hey, big sports weekend uh, coming off uh, the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, game one victory in the WNBA final. Raiders lose in their debut, and we are looking forward to a little bit of hockey this week. Yeah, we get our first game, uh, this week, it's going to happen with the rookie tournament, the showcase in San Jose. The VGK will be taking part in that, a practice, and then off to San Jose. And then it's the main camp next week, so it's coming around fast. Uh, coming up today, we are going to chat about uh, the defense of the Vegas School tonight. So we've spent uh, a significant amount of time talking goaltending in the first four shows, as well as the center ice position, uh, point projections up front. Why aren't we talking about the blue line? Because that, that deserves some attention due to the fact that it is the best part about this team coming into this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you. I, I do think that we have to put a little bit of a premium on the Golden Knights blue line, what it can do for this club, the different looks that, that you can kind of go with. So I'm really excited to dive a little bit deeper into the Golden Knights back end because it is going to be an important point of this season for Vegas. We also want to tell you that it's Monday. If you didn't know it was Monday, you know it's Monday because <laughs> the first segment belongs to you. Uh, open phone lines uh, to the listener line, 702-876-1340. Every show this year, the first segment is yours to kick off the week. 702-876-1340. Call now and uh, we will get you on the air. If you have a uh, comment about this season, a positive aspect, a concern, uh, you want to highlight uh, one of the particular players that you're excited about, uh, let us know. Uh, we are open for business right now, 702-876-1340. One-timer segment in hour number two will touch on, among other things, the Philadelphia Flyers. Didn't get to this on Friday, but John Tortorella had some really interesting things to say, and just I ran out of time before I could get to it. I don't think it was necessarily as controversial as a lot of people have made it out to seem what John Tortorella offered up, but I think he's uh, he's just planting a seed. He's a really smart guy. Uh, there's been some criticism of him. Uh, I think it's unwarranted, 
And I'll tell you why when we get into one-timers and news notes from around the National Hockey League. But uh, our number one is going to focus uh, mainly on the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, looking forward to this, uh, we will go to our uh, listener line in just a second, 702-876-1340. couple of uh, callers uh, in the queue right now uh, talking about uh, the rookie tournament that's going to start off this weekend as well as main camp the middle of next week. There's also a really interesting uh Thing that's going to take place over the course of Thursday, Friday, and that's when the National Hockey League is going to bring all the stars together. It's not open to the public, but uh, because I'm connected, I'm going to be in and around that thing uh, through my uh, job uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights and my responsibilities with the Chirp Podcast, so I'm going to get a chance to talk to a lot of those guys. I'll bring you some insight uh, from a league perspective uh, as well. Uh, let's go to the phone line, 702-876-1340. Welcome to the program. Uh, looking forward to this one. We have Mike to lead us off. Well, hello, gentlemen, and welcome to our Monday. It, uh, I do have a comment and a question. All right. And the comment is, I've spent a summer of our discontent, to paraphrase uh, Shakespeare, listening to the naysayers chirping about basically Mac bashing. McPhee and McCrimmon are just, oh, they've got to go. Oh, they can't be tolerated. Oh, this, oh, that. And uh, I say to them, as I imagine you will as well, I say to them this, I, I can't imagine any two human beings on the face of this planet who could have engineered the first five years any better than they have. Can you? No, I'll go a step further and say I can't imagine two people who are more motivated to have a bounce-back season than George and Kelly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly what they'll do. And, and again, if they don't, there will be heck to pay. We know that. But a lot of people are just negative. They're looking for trouble. They're looking for problems. And uh, they're just not looking at the season as a bounce-back year which we are entitled to with all the injuries, certainly. Uh, the, the question I have is, what about Nick Haig? Is he ever going to get signed? Yes, he will. Okay. <laughs> when, I don't know. But, but yes, he will. Uh, I'm very confident in that. Uh, I think it was Friday mm -hmm. where we discussed Nick Haig a little bit. And I said, he, the, no, no mile markers have been passed yet. Uh, camp has not opened. The, the medicals have not taken place. Uh, the first skates have not uh, been under the tutelage of one Bruce Cassidy. So right now we're still in a nothing missed, nothing forgotten, nothing tragic has occurred. Now, you're, right. you're, you're getting close. You're within eight days, nine days of it. Uh, when, when that could happen. But I, I think there's still some runway for both sides, the organization and Nick Haig, to, to sort things out. The, the one positive that I can point to that is different than other cases that I've seen in the past, not everyone, but certainly a majority of them, is Nick Haig's in town. Nick Haig has skated with his teammates uh, in the captain's uh, skates over at City National Arena. That is an optimistic uh, 
turn of events uh, or a situation for Nick Hegg. Uh, that that he's here, he's uh, skating, and he's and he's ready to go. If that contract signed, he'll he'll be in camp. But uh, a lot of times, these players won't be in town until they actually sign, or the agent will say, "Hey, we don't want you around. Uh, just uh, optics or, or leverage, whatever uh, case may be." He's here, so I, I think that's positive. Okay, I'm going to go in with an optimistic attitude that he's going to get signed. But if game one or practice one begins without him, will he still get signed, in your opinion? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I think that there's uh, there's a lot of times this stuff will spill into training cap. It's not optimal, Mike. I'm not going to try and sell you that. Uh, I don't have the abilities to convince you of that. I'm not that good of a, 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 a negotiator uh, or a, a arguer uh, by any by any means. Uh, it's it's not perfect uh, that you miss any time in training camp, especially with with a new head coach. Uh, I do know that. Uh, that Nick Hag wants to play, uh, that the organization loves uh, the player. Uh, Nick Hag is a uh, a player that uh, that has some offensive upside, and and I understand why he probably is asking for what he is. I don't know the exact dollar, but uh, in my head, I've got some things uh, figured out, uh, zeroed in on, and I know why the organization can't give him. Uh, what he's asking for because of salary cap constraints. Uh, does it end up working out to a one-year deal? Uh, does it end up uh, uh, working out to uh, a bridge contract, a multi-year deal, a bridge contract? Uh, or can they figure out the long term? I'm I'm not as confident in the long term just because the salary cap's going to open up in a couple of years and we know the, the upside uh, of Nick Hegg. So uh, at this point, reading the tea leaves uh, and what is happening uh, 10 days, 8 days out from training camp, uh, getting onto the ice, uh, you're probably into the shorter contract uh, type window. Okay, let's be optimistic and let the games begin. I hope that he does get signed, too. Uh, I, I really do. Uh, I, I, when I say I hope he gets signed, I hope he gets signed by training camp. Uh, again, I, he's not going anywhere. He doesn't have arbitration rights. He, he He's not going to – I don't see this thing uh, stretching him. The longest one that I remember, the most recent long one, was William Nylander with Toronto probably four or five years ago. Uh, and that went right up to the deadline. Because uh, if you don't sign by, I think it's December 6th, I'll just throw that uh, number out at you, but it's in and around the, that within a couple of days, uh, you can't play uh, in the National Hockey League that year. So you'd probably go to Europe or what have you. So that that's the the, the end of it. Uh, we haven't even reached the start of it uh, just yet, and I don't think it goes on uh, quite uh, that long. And uh, again, I'm, I'm very hopeful that uh, that this gets done before the first gate, Brian. Yeah, I I think that that's kind of where everyone should be at this point, and it makes a lot of sense for Nick Hague in this moment to to be under contract as soon as possible. Is it going to get right up to camp? Maybe. Is it going to bleed into camp a little bit? Perhaps. But my argument here with Nick Hague, his next contract, is that he, he will get done prior to the end of preseason. I expect Nick Hague will play a couple of preseason games because it's going to be important. This is a big season upcoming 
for Nick Haig. A, a chance to, under a new coach, get himself into a position where maybe he's able to contribute a little bit more. And, you know, the idea of a long-term contract, at this point, if I'm Nick Haig, I'm going for a bridge deal because, as you mentioned, Darren, the, the salary cap's going to open up. And you know what? If you can be productive for the next season or two, maybe that turns into a bigger payday than what you're trying to get on a longer-term deal right now. couple of callers standing by. Chapman. Yeah, and, and fans should also not panic because the team has been through this before. Year two, Shea Theodore was a holdout for camp, and that got resolved. I think it was either the first or second preseason game, and he was back, and everything was like he was never gone. So it's not the first time. It won't be the last time. Fans should not panic. And look, I mean, Nick Haig wants to get paid. You can't blame him, and you can't blame the team because, as Darren mentioned, the cap restraints. So it'll be resolved. I'm not, I'm not too concerned. No mile markers missed. He's in town. <laughs> Cling to those things. Uh, Stephen in Australia, welcome back. It is great to be back, and I'm glad that um, all three of you are back for another year. But no, it's panic stations. If Nick Hague doesn't get signed, it's the end of the world. You, <laughs> you should all know this by now. It's the end of the world. We're not going to make the start. It's, it's all over. Season's done. Just pack your bags, go home. Um, it, it's over. No, um I forgot what point I was going to make now. Um, oh yes, no, that's exactly what I was. That's what I was going to make. Um, I don't want everyone jumping on the Ottawa bandwagon now that the team actually looks like they're going to be good. I sat through last season so, with them, so no one else can jump on the Ottawa bandwagon. Um, I didn't get a chance to ring in last um, last Friday because I was busy doing other things when you opened up the phone lines, but for rules. So the sport I play, uh, squad ball, previously known as Quidditch, we have a rule where you're allowed one reset past the halfway line, and then if you reset again, you turn over possession of the scoring ball. Do that for hockey. As I remember, you mentioned the three-on-three overtime. You know, okay, each team gets one reset back past the red line, and then if you do it again, you've got to turn over possession of the puck. It'll get dropped on halfway. Um Right at the center dot, the team who's getting possession of the puck would get to nominate a player to go pick up the puck and you restart play. That to me seems like a very fair solution to just stop teams continuously cycling the puck back into their own zone. What's the sport that you played? Quad ball. It was previously known as Quidditch. The name was changed earlier this year because of copyright complications and JK Rowling uh, being, uh, well, uh, I'll say piece of crap. Let's go with that. <laughs> Seriously, that, I did not know about that, and and that's that uh, that's was, why it was yeah. uh, switched over. That's awesome. Uh, bringing us some some real world type knowledge, uh, Stephen from Australia. Uh, I love the idea of the rule change. Uh, thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. Uh, don't be a stranger to us. Uh, I know you won't on the post game show. Uh, but one reset when you bring the puck uh, across into the zone, you can leave the zone once and then come back in. A little more for the linesman to keep track of. Because you got to go. Okay, that that's only one. Um, one other rule change. Because we got uh, got to get Stephanie here, who's waiting next up. Uh, it was brought to me uh, today, and this caller didn't get a chance to get through uh, on Friday either. Harry said, "If you score shorthanded, it eliminates the other team's power play." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd never ever thought of that. 
But immediately my eyes lit up when he mm-hmm. told me. And then he went on to say, like, what what do you think, like, in a Stanley Cup playoff uh, that occurs, how it could change momentum of a game, and it also makes the uh, makes the other coach be a little bit more responsible. Maybe you don't play four forwards on the power play because you got to guard against that, or you're playing against a team that can really push it uh, shorthanded like the, the Golden Knights. Uh, you might be a little conservative. So it, it could help your penalty kill. Uh, whether you you score shorthanded or not, but if you do score shorthanded, it wipes out the other team's power play. I like that. Oh, I love that. I think that that's absolutely phenomenal. And Harry, that is one of the greatest rule change proposals I've heard in a very, very long time. And we did an entire segment of rule change proposals on Friday. The idea of scoring a shorthanded goal, demoralizing your opponent that way, and then returning to full strength because you scored a shorthanded goal, that's beautiful. It's great. I'd love to see it happen. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, back to the phones. 702-876-1340-876-1340. Give us a shout. Uh, Stephen's line is open right now. And Stephanie, you're on the VGK Insider Show. Hi, guys. How are you doing? We're doing awesome. Good to hear you. Yes, I am so glad that you guys are back. And a special bonus after the last couple of years that you guys are back recording together because getting all the little background chatter that we don't get when you guys can mute yourself (laughs) is just a gift to all of us. So thank you guys for that. That's usually Um, Chapman who's who's chirping way in the background. He's just, (laughs) he's like a squirrel. Like, (laughs) can't help it. Well, I... My favorite is just like the laughs when you guys can't control a laugh about something one of the other ones said. So just it's it's great to get that back and get back even more back to normal. Um, my question, I guess, is uh, and it doesn't have to be today or anytime, but as most I think most of the head coach positions have been filled at this point and they've had time to settle in. Um, maybe you guys could talk about like winners and losers of who picks up uh, what coaches and how that shakes out. I thought it was a great summer for the teams that had openings because all the big names were scooped up almost immediately. The the one question that I did have, Stephanie, was the Flyers' decision to go back mm-hmm. to uh, uh, John Tortorella. Now, now, that doesn't mean John Tortorella is a bad coach. I just thought there would be more time uh, with John Tortorella. Uh, I don't think that he was necessarily enjoying his time during doing the media. So uh, he was probably <laughs> excited to get back. But uh, He just couldn't uh, wait to be near Gritty. You're, you're right. He Gritty and John together doing a promo will be must-see like TV this year. But... Uh, I think he's already had an impact on that team, and I'll get to it in one-timers uh, later on today with his comments about uh, the atmosphere and the, the mood around the Philadelphia Flyers. And he wasn't exactly complimentary. Uh, he's smart. He's he's calculated. And, but that was my surprise. He's right so far. He's making me uh, uh, impressed with what he's done. Well, I thank you for going over that. But I'm just. I'm so excited you guys are back. Thanks. Uh, My best luck. That, that's awesome. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, Ryan, any other uh, surprises or comments about the coaches that that, that were hired? Um, to, to me, I think the one that I'm really intrigued by is, is Pete DeBoer and the Dallas Stars because it, it, I want to say that it was about 24 to 36 hours after 
Pete DeBoer was relieved of his duties here in Vegas, and the understanding that there was an opening in Dallas, it just seems to me like that is the perfect landing spot for Pete and what he brings to the table with who he has at his disposal there. So I'm I'm very, very curious, and there are some housekeeping things that need to happen for the Dallas Stars. Mainly, Jason Robertson needs to get signed to a contract, and it has to be something that doesn't absolutely put Dallas into a position where they've got to shed salary, even though they're going to have to more than likely. Um, I can't wait to see what Pete's able to do with the roster that I think is is kind of in the middle. But if you get Pete doing what he does best, I, I think Dallas can be a problem for a lot of teams next season. How many openings were there? There's Jim Montgomery, who was hired in Boston. Uh, yep. Butch Cassidy, hired in Vegas. You have Pete mm-hmm. DeBoer in Dallas. Uh, Rick mm-hmm. Bonus in Winnipeg, David Quinn in San Jose, Paul Maurice in Florida, yeah. uh, John Tortorella in Philadelphia. Am I missing uh-huh. anybody? I I like, don't feel like you are. But that's seven. But that's and and there's I mean that that's that's a lot right for an off season that that is a lot of change in terms of head coaching and, and teams kind of hitting resets in various stages and a lot of good teams hitting resets in various stages so I I don't like we hit the ground running with a lot of familiar faces in different spots and you know I'm curious I'm I'm very curious about Paul Maurice in in Florida especially when you factor in the change that's happened on the ice for the Florida Panthers in personnel. It's not just Paul Maurice in, it's Matthew Kachuk in, it's Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger out. And how does that dynamic change things? It's going to be fascinating to catch up with some of these teams. Lane Lambert, Long Island, is oh, there you uh, go. another one. Did you get Luke Barry, Richardson? And, Luke Richardson mm-hmm. in Chicago. And Barry Trotz deciding not to coach. Yeah. This so year. there's there's nine. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. Uh, Rick Bonus, I didn't see that happening so quickly. Yeah. Going yeah. from from Dallas, and, but I should have known better. I, I knew Rick was going to coach because he's coached mm-hmm. nonstop uh, since like the the eighties. It's it, he's coached in the National Hockey League, stood behind a bench in the NHL for more games than any other person in NHL history. So I knew that uh, that he would end up uh, coaching this year. But coaching in Winnipeg is really interesting. Uh, he's coached there before, way back when, in uh, Winnipeg Jets uh, uh, 1.0. Uh, the other one, David Quinn, uh, a good hire by San Jose at the time of their program. Teacher, college guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Can can really work with young kids. Can ha- handle the uh, real uh, significant heat of New York. Uh, so he's been through that. This will be uh, a little uh, less uh, media pressure for him in San Jose. But I'm a big fan of of that hire. Uh, Lane Lambert taking over from Barry Trotz. That's the only one of these where a guy moved up and, and mm-hmm. took over. Uh, Curious how that will impact the New York Islanders. I, quite frankly, I think missing the playoffs and having a year or a full summer after going to back-to-back conference finals will do more for the New York Islanders than anything, just like the the Golden Knights coming off sure. uh, that and having a full summer to reset. Uh, Luke Richardson, one of my favorite people 
I love him. Mm-hmm. But he's he's got a really difficult job there. It's it's going to be more interesting to see how he manages, spends more time uh, building people up or strategizing how to win games, like keeping people positive on on the mental side of it, or uh, just trying to win to win hockey games. Uh, that that'll be the challenge for Luke Richardson, and whether or not he's got his two big boys at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think that that kind of goes without saying. What is the direction of? Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane in terms of finishing out their contract, finishing out this year for the Chicago Blackhawks. But beyond that, I think it's more about the the next the next generation of Chicago Blackhawk hockey players, whether or not you can build them up, while understanding that this is a team that's not going to be very good. Wins are going to be incredibly hard to come by, and that's not to suggest that Luke Richardson isn't going to do everything in his power to get the wins, but it's more about the process in Chicago than it is anything else. Another great fit, just like uh, David Quinn in San Jose for the situation. 702-876-1340. Give us a call. There is a line open right now. Chapman. I believe we also missed another one. Derek Lalonde in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Joins his old uh, oh, yeah. friend uh, Steve Eiserman. That's what uh, that's what we do when we go off the top of our heads. Yeah, you, a you third miss of a, the league. Yeah, it, it's staggering uh, that yeah. there is that much turnover within the league, and the the Derek Lalonde one mm-hmm. is interesting because Jeff Blaschel, the coach mm-hmm. in Detroit, score went to Tampa Bay as an assistant to yeah. John Cooper. Yeah. They basically switched. I don't know whether they, they, they traded houses or anything like that, but they could have. <laughs> the, the, the coaching community is very close. And uh, sure. if you yeah. think that there's uh, the animosity here, I don't know, that guy talking about jumping. Um, you're not happy that you don't have the job, but uh, but the coaching community is uh, is very very tight, and there's a lot of uh, talking and trading and, and bouncing stuff uh, off each other uh, throughout the year. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe they did, but uh, that's an interesting one. Never mind uh, the – the host of assist, more assistant coaches changing uh, places this this winter uh, as well. How about Andrew Brunette, mm-hmm. the uh, finalist for Coach of the Year last year with the Florida yep. Panthers, the interim head coach with the Panthers, who were ousted in the minimum by the Tampa Bay Lightning in in that uh, thrilling second round series uh, that. Yep. Uh, a year ago was went the distance or or was uh, was was a great series and uh, this year went for Andrew Burnett ends up as a assistant coach with the New Jersey Devils with Lindy Ruff. Yeah, I I don't necessarily disagree with that decision. And again, it, it's one of those things where you know you look at the Florida Panthers last year, great regular season, phenomenal numbers, great job done by Andrew Burnett to kind of keep that juggernaut going, but. If you measure their success in the postseason, and I get it, they won a round, that's great, fantastic, they were outclassed by Tampa. And, and you can make the argument they were closer a year a year prior than they were under Andrew Brunette. And the fact of the matter is, until Tampa says otherwise, until this team misses the playoffs, until the Lightning are not what the Lightning have been, the path to anything remotely successful goes through the Tampa Bay Lightning. And for Florida, they have to find the remedy for that. Uh, are the Florida Panthers better, the same, or worse <laughs> this year? The President's Trophy winners. Oh, that's such an interesting question because like, I, I am so quick to say that the Calgary Flames are better, right? I And, and I recognize that that might be slightly hypocritical of me. I, I don't know that the Florida Panthers are better better 
than what they were last year. I mean, they were historically good. They put the puck in the back of the net. They defended well enough. The goaltending was pretty good, but I, I mean, they just they didn't they didn't need to worry about it so much because they were putting up so many points. Um, I love Matthew Kachuk on this team. I think Sasha Barkov is phenomenal. I don't think that they're any less deep up front. I think that Kachuk gives you a different dimension than what you had for Huberto. Uh, I do think that they're a little bit thinner on defense than they were maybe a year ago. I really like Mackenzie Weger. I like what he brings to the table. But, you know, in terms of, you know, the Florida Panthers, what, what Sergei Bobrovsky are you going to get? How much are you going to depend on Spencer Knight? Like, those are kind of the bigger questions to me outside of, um, that, that kind of determines whether or not they're better or. But, but the that same. can't that can't have uh, a bearing on whether they're better, the same, or worse because they're the same I, two guys. Yeah, but I I think it you you got a good bounce back season for the most part out of Sergei Bobrovsky, right? So like, in a sense, it, it is fair because you don't really know what you're going to get year to year from Bobrovsky, right? Like two years ago, not good. Last year, better than average season from Bobrovsky. So um, I think that that does factor into it. I would say up front, they're as good as they were last year. Defensively, I think they're a little less than what they were last year. And goaltending, if that's a wash, I, I think they're somewhere in in the same to maybe a little bit better. But that's, that's as far as I'm willing to go. I don't know who the best team in Florida is. I, I still don't know. Uh, given the Tampa Bay Lightning going to three straight finals and, and the Florida Panthers winning the President's Trophy. Until I see otherwise, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning all mm-hmm. day long. Uh, one uh, thing to to keep note of when it comes to Sergei Bobrovsky, hasn't won a Vesna in a couple of years. He's due. Yep. And when okay. he's... when he's No, when he's due, <laughs> you know what happens? He usually wins yeah. the Vesna. Okay. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. No. You're, you're not wrong. I know. Um I I don't okay hold on I'm looking at I'm I'm diving into Sergey Bobrovsky's numbers I I don't see another Vesna in his future like maybe that is a, a clip that Chapman's going to have at his disposal that's going to come back to bite me in the butt later but I, I'm willing you know who to coached say the Vesna Sergei, Trophy uh, winner recently Paul Maurice yeah I, I I'm willing to say Sergey Bobrovsky's like not right going to win another Vesna Trophy. Okay. I just I just don't see it. It's not like he just won one. We'll see what I, happens. I, uh, I, I I mean I get it. Yeah. Uh, when we uh, when we continue, we're going to get into the VGK blue line. It might be the hallmark, the calling card of this 2022-23 Golden Knights squad, but we haven't spent a lot of time on it. So we'll talk up those defensemen and what kind of influence they could have on the performance of this club. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Nice signing by the Colorado Avalanche today. We'll get into that on one-timers in hour number two. Also, Le Canadien have a new captain. <laughs> Details. Ahead. Darren Millard, mm-hmm. Brian Wallace, Chris Chapman here. Uh, we're going to talk about the blue line of the Vegas Golden Knights. You have seven NHL defensemen, six under contract, pending the Nick Hague situation. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know how many teams have as deep of a blue line as those seven. I mean, you'd be hard pressed, I think, to find uh, you know other teams that that compare. Uh, you know, you you could you could make the argument if you look at the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche that there's uh, a similar skill set when it comes to what Vegas is going to be able to ice. But assuming that you know Nick Hague gets under contract and he is a part of this core seven, then you know, the Golden Knights have, have a really solid D, D core going into the season. You look at everybody being healthy and you start mm-hmm. eyeing up pairings. I'm not a pairing person. They can move every <laughs> night for all I'm concerned. Sure. Uh, I do yeah. like lines to stay together or two people to stay together and moving out uh, uh, one person in and out. But pairings, I don't spend a lot of time uh, racking my brain over. But the way that it does, uh, I just, I I think that uh, in in a situation like the Golden Knights are, you you could almost play anybody with anybody, honestly. Uh, uh, If you're worried about the left shot, right shot, then then have at her uh, with that. But uh, I think that there's enough of a fit even with that. Uh, I mean, Shea can play either side uh, that you can sure, move some yeah. some people around. But uh, uh, I I look at at where this blue line is right now, and I'm comfortable with the offense that it can produce. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with them keeping the puck out, and I'm also uh, liking uh, a little bit more about the the grittiness and being able to do things like kill penalties, which we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, you look at, you know, Alec Martinez getting him for, you know, knocks on wood, what is hopefully going to be a full season is going to be massive for the Golden Knights because of the things you talked about, his ability to kill penalties, his ability to block shots. Uh, You're talking about one of the grittiest um, and most intense players that the Golden Knights have will sacrifice his body to make a play every single time. And, you know, when you have that on in your in your lineup every single night, along with Braden McNabb, who does the same thing or similar things, and the idea of a more filled out, more mature physically Nick Hague, all of a sudden you you start to think of the Golden Knights in a little bit different light when it comes to their back end and and how physically imposing they might be to to other teams. Do you uh, do you get into the pairings? You're a pairing person. I I I don't necessarily worry about all of the pairings, but you know, I, I think the most interesting thing with the Vegas Golden Knights is the utility and the importance of Alec Martinez and who he's paired up with, right? Because we have seen at different stretches, the best Shea Theodore is usually attached to playing with Alec Martinez. The best Alex Petrangelo at times has been attached to playing with Alec Martinez. And when you have a player that I think kind of seamlessly fits in and plays with your two best defensemen to a point where everyone there is elevated, you have to try to make an educated guess as to what you need or what you want to get out of most with playing Alec Martinez. Well, Martinez, the fixer. Everybody plays plays great with them. Do you want to get more out of your top end guy or do you want to balance out your blue line a little bit? And uh, you can you can look at him. I mean, Theodore Petrangelo, high end, high end, high end guys. Uh, that that's the way the way you look at. It. Or do you balance it out uh, with uh, with somebody like uh, Zach Whitecloud, 
which yeah. gives you a lefty ready ready combination. I think there's there's merit to both. It also will come down to how much John Stevens is going to use his top end guys, or whether the the minutes end up being a little more balanced when you have this type of of depth with your blue line. I would not be surprised, given that there was another year of uh, experience with White Cloud, with Hag, mm-hmm. the addition of Hutton, that you see the, the minutes balance, and maybe the differentiating factor is if you're trailing in a game, then you play your top guys uh, a little bit more to, to generate offense or the power play. But if it's five on five in a, in a regular game, I think it might be a little bit more balanced. Yeah, I I would love to see that be the case because you know it, you look at kind of the the minute load for Alex Petrangelo over the last couple of seasons for the Golden Knights, especially last year, and in certain situations, it, it was a lot. And you know you you want to believe, right? And I think we're all kind of in agreement here that this Golden Knights team should make the playoffs, and you want your best players in in the right peaking for the playoffs or or really in a position where they can succeed. And if you're able to balance out the minutes throughout the season while getting a well-rounded performance from your back end because of the depth, that's only going to help the Golden Knights. So I'd love to see more evenly distributed minutes because I do believe Zach Whitecloud and, and Nick Haig and Ben Hutton can take on more for this Golden Knights team this year. I'm going to play a game with you. Let's uh, fire it up. Uh, I wish we had theme music for this, but I just thought about uh, let's play a game. And uh, look at okay. Chapman. He's like he's scrambling right now. He's all over it. Uh, that music will come in a good 35 minutes time when uh, when he's found it. But here's the game I'm going to play. Uh, I'm going to fire some <laughs> questions at you regarding the blue line. I want you to answer them within five seconds. Five seconds oh, sounds like all a right. long time, but it's yeah. going to be it's going to be quick. When you're okay. having to answer difficult questions like this, mm-hmm. who is the Golden Knights' best defenseman? Shea Theodore. Who is the Golden Knights' most important defenseman? Alex Petrangelo. Who has the biggest upside on the Golden Knights' blue line? Nick Hague. Last two minutes of play. Protecting a lead. Who's out there? Alec Martinez and Alex Petrangelo. Alex and Alec. Last two minutes of a game, down a goal. Who's out there? (laughs) Petrangelo and Theodore. Okay. I disagree with you on the most important defenseman. And that's okay. not any slight against the person that you said. Uh, I'm going with Alec Martinez uh, because of it's what fair. he does with that group. And you're splitting hairs there, but I watched how much of an impact he had when he came back last year. And uh, being around him a little bit, I'm like, there are Alec Martinez fans, and then mm-hmm. there's Millard. Who's, uh, you know, who's I, right up there? I, I will tell you this: um, like, I'm not even mad at you for disagreeing with me. Yeah, it's just because I, I want, I want to, I want to tell you that about uh, three seconds after I gave you that decision from me, I, I was thinking about Alec Martinez. You, so you, you offered there. up the name that plays the most. 
in, in Petrangelo. That, yeah. That's that's yeah. not wrong. Uh, yeah. yeah. The the best defenseman I, I think is is Shea. Yeah. Biggest upside. Can't disagree with you that it's Hag. But right. he's coming from a point of his entry level contract, and we know what he did in junior. We know sure. about the shot. We know what's there in the future if it all comes together offensively. But biggest upside could be Shea Theodore as well. Because sure. we all believe that there's a Vesna finalist, Vesna trophy uh waiting there to be grabbed by him. So there's 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 two. Uh last two minutes of a of a game protecting a lead. Alex mm-hmm. and Alec. Great. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. I mean, Braden McNabb. Yeah, could, that's who could, I was going to say. I want him uh, out there. Well. Yeah. But but I, I think that's the great thing about this team. There There's clubs where in the last two minutes of a game and you're protecting a lead, you don't have one of <laughs> your top two defensemen out there, like yeah. uh, Petrangelo. Uh, but but he can, we know, can, can defend. I think that speaks to what we've talked about, about the depth of this team. And then uh, when, when you're chasing a game, like it, it, that's a luxury right there uh, of mm-hmm. having the likes of Shea Theodore and Petrangelo. Go ahead, Chapman. Now, I have a question for both of you guys. I thought you were looking for the music. We don't have anything music no, yet. No, no, no you you got to give me a heads up on these things. I could have pulled like Jeopardy or something. But 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 here's the thing. like You could have been doing that while we talked. But I like to listen to when you guys are having these in-depth conversations. All right. So, so of the uh, obviously there's a seventh defenseman here. Who? It's Ben Hutton. It is Ben Hutton. But out of the guys in Henderson, who has the best potential to maybe make the opening night roster? Because my, my mind goes to two places, and I want to hear what you guys think, but I think Daniil Marimanoff and Caden Korzak are two guys that we should probably keep an eye on in, to in camp. To make the opening night roster, that means you suffer two injuries. Please, you, you, you don't no. think you don't think they, they Stop could... Stop it. Stop it. Okay. Stop it. All right? Right now, stop it with that stuff. Now, uh, to be fair, you 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 do now, not have a defenseman under contract. Okay, that's fine. So there's one injury, but stop it. We I didn't say both go, guys were going to make it. I said down that that which guy here. has the best which chance. One? Assume uh, if if Nick Hague, let's let's phrase it this way: mm-hmm. if Nick Hague is not signed by opening night of Korzak or Miramanov, who has the better chance to make? The roster. All right, because it's uh, Nick Hag. I would go with Mirmanov. Yeah, if too. it's more of a defensive guy, now Korzak can can lug the puck too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Mirmanov is your like make stuff happen uh, at both ends of the ice sometimes. But yeah. I love I love <laughs> I love Mirmanov's style. And uh, if I'm uh, if I'm down a goal and I'm chasing the game, you want him on the ice. Theodore Petrangel Mirmanov. Yeah, like he he's right in that mix w- with that. But if if you're taking a offensive defenseman or thought of an offensive defenseman out, I'm putting Mirmanov in. If it's more of an all around guy. Probably put a Korzak in. Now, yeah, we're not going to have to worry about that. Anything? No, no, because Darren you're going to stop that. talking. That's why we're not going to have to worry about it. <laughs> okay. Go back and find the theme music for the I, game. I don't have theme oh, hold, music. Hold on, hold on, <laughs> Darren. As 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 
tough as this entire segment is right now with Chapman kind of, yeah. you know, throwing out these these bad vibes into the world, um, it does bad give vibes. you it, it does give you a real good indication of the Golden Knights and their depth organizationally at the blue line because you're not talking about just the next guy up. You're talking about there are guys at the at the at the at the highest level that could fit individual roles. And I think that that's important to recognize here in that the Golden Knights organizationally have enough players that can fill in and, and kind of get you what you need if you lose a certain skill set up uh, mm-hmm. up on the big club. And that's where I was going, just to highlight the depth. No, that, you, what that, you were doing, you were throwing bad no, stuff. No, in stop. The no, I'm <laughs> highlighting the depth that this organization has at I, that position. I didn't even talk about Ben Hutton a lot. Yeah, he's he a good player. Him a couple of times, but uh, but so valuable uh, last year, and that goes to the professional scouting staff uh, that uh, that was incredible in in grabbing players and and bringing them in. Uh, awesome stuff uh, from the Vegas Golden Knights. That was a find. He he wasn't even under contract. He was sitting around and uh, and they just plucked him and and put him in. Uh, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll set up our number two. What? happens when you make the Stanley Cup final. Lately, it hasn't been very good. Does that same fate await the Tampa Bay Lightning? And one-timers with a big honor for a Montreal Canadian. And John Tortorella is doing it again. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. We have an awesome second hour coming up. Is there a curse with the Stanley Cup final? And if there is, what does that mean for a team that's gone to the championship series three straight years? And in one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League, we're going to get into John Tortorella. A lot of people upset with what he had to say about the Philadelphia Flyers and a vibe that he's getting around that locker room during the offseason. Training Don't camp even hasn't even started. And, and he's not getting a good vibe. And people are saying, way too soon, Torts. Uh I think he might be right on the money. Don't criticize him just yet until you hear... What I have to say, and the Montreal Canadiens have named a captain. What a cool thing uh, to be named a captain of that, and it's got some ties uh, right back to here. And we'll also try to challenge Chris Chapman just a little bit more and see how he (laughs) reacts to things happening on the fly. I am going to say it won't be pretty. No, no. No. Uh, So when when I said I wish we had some, like, gay music or something... His reaction in the studio <laughs> was was failing that of a cardboard cutout. Like he was he was more still than a cardboard cutout. Translation yeah. didn't move. Yeah. Did you? Uh-huh. I searched. I knew we didn't have any you didn't game move. show music. I, what do you mean? I searched you for it. You didn't move. You yes. started talking to me right away. No, I searched and. I knew deflect, we didn't have deflect, any. Deflect. No, I knew we didn't have any game show music. You know what? You'd be great on the power play because you can deflect like <laughs> crazy. Uh, it's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.